I want to start this morning with a really simple question. How are you guys doing on your New Year's resolutions? <laughs> I, I heard terrible. <laughs> How's this side doing with your news? Here, here's why I asked, because we, we've tipped into February, and typically speaking, this is when our New Year's resolutions kind of fall off the map. It, it was a great idea, like at the start of the year, and then life happens, and then we begin to be like, uh, how many of you just said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to the gym more in 2020. Don't raise your hand. Just, I'll save you the embarrassment. <laughs> if you are going to make a spiritual resolution, I pray that it is this, that Jesus Christ must increase and I must decrease. Now, I think God does this very intentionally. It's something that I pray for very intentionally. I pray that God would always kick off a new calendar year with a word that's going to resonate throughout the entirety of the year. And, man, it couldn't have been more loud and more clear, that phrase right there. And it's what we preached about the entire month of January, and I'm going to talk about it some more today, is that Jesus must increase and we must decrease. Now, this is coming straight from what John told his disciples in the book of John. They were talking about, hey, you know, Jesus has got quite a group of people following after him. Shouldn't, shouldn't they be coming to us? Man, and John looks right at his boys, and I believe very sternly and very emphatically, and says, you guys got to get one thing straight. I'm not even qualified to tie his shoes. He must increase, and we must decrease. We must decrease in our thoughts. We must decrease in our opinions. We must decrease in everything that would try to fight for supremacy with Jesus. He must. And so I'm telling you, this is a word that I feel like God specifically gave to resonate throughout the entirety of the year. In every area and aspect of life, he must increase and my personal opinion and flesh has got to decrease. Amen. Amen? So as we're talking this morning, I just wanted to go over. We've been talking about all the month of January. And I just want to hit a couple of the high points of we've been sharing with you all through January different ways that you can do this. Different ways for him to increase and us to decrease. And I'm just going to hit some of the high points here. The first one that we talked about was you have to prioritize what's important. Super, super vital. How many of you are planning on having at least a good dinner, if not like Super Bowl snacks and goodies? And how many of you plan on eating some good food at some point today? Here's what that tells me. That you prioritized that this meal is important enough that you carved out time to shop. You carved out time to buy uh, food and go to the grocery store. You're going to carve out time to actually prepare the food. You're going to carve out time to, to clean up. You've made this a priority. You've dedicated financial uh, funds to this. Why? It's a priority to you. Amen? When we prioritize something as important, we'll get behind it. When we don't, and it's just a good thought or idea, like going to the gym, then we don't make time for what's important. If Jesus isn't a priority, 
Listen, there isn't some magic potion or the Bible isn't some magic wand that you wave over your circumstances and then I actually read my Bible more. It comes because I've made a priority of it and I prioritize it in my life and it actually becomes something I do, not just a good idea and thought. Amen? Here's the, here's the second thing we started to share. We've got to be more than a consumer. Now, this is really important because by our, our just natural fleshly nature, we are very selfish and full of pride. That's just our natural kind of sinful nature. We're selfish. And the reality is, in this day and age, Churches become very consumer-oriented. You know, uh, my grandson just turned two last week, and we've been playing this fun little game, and most parents know this fun little game. It's where you take their, their fork or spoon of food, and it's like, oh, here comes the plane, and it's coming all around, and open up, and he gets all excited and opens up. Well, you know, as adults, we can fall into the same trap Oh, it's Sunday morning, Pastor, where's your spoon? Because I'm going to sit here and just open up my mouth and you better feed me well. Now, I'm not going to eat anything for the next six days, but you better make a good meal because I'll be back here on Sunday morning. Here comes a train. Come on, put a smile on your face. Can I tell you this? And, and I promise we'll talk more about this. There comes a point where if you've been a Christian for very long, there comes a point where you will plateau, where you will become stagnant, where you will feel like I'm not growing anymore, and it's because your growth is directly tied to someone else's growth. And you've got to reach a point where I stop being so selfish and just consume all the time, and I actually switch roles and make sure that somebody else starts to get fed. Our growth is directly tied to other people's growth, which is why if we only have a consumer mentality, then the reality is I'm increasing and Jesus is decreasing because it's all about me consuming. And I'm telling you, every Christian will go through this. If you have too much of a consumer mentality, there will come a point where you're very stagnant and you feel like you're just hitting a lid in your Christianity. And it's because your growth is dependent on what's coming out of you, not what you're taking into you. Say amen for me. Because it's the truth. Here's the third three points. And again, these are all things we've been sharing. How can Jesus increase and be decreased? Uh, Pastor Casey talked about these, these next couple of points. It's a, point three, it's a, it's a willingness to trust that God knows better than you do. Can I tell you that preach is real easy, but to live it is a little bit differently. Why? Because again, I feel like I know what's best for me. You, you've probably heard me say this a, a time or two. You know, your money in God's hands goes a lot further than your money in your hands, even though you think you know what's best for it. No one intends on wasting it. But the reality is, we've got to be able to trust, man, that God knows a little bit better what's best for me than what I think I do. That takes some faith. 
that takes some trust. That takes some willingness. Amen? Here's the fourth thing. A surrendered heart. You know, one thing I wrote this down that uh, I love that, that Pastor Casey shared while he was preaching was when I surrender, I don't actually lose, I actually gain. And most of us have this mentality that surrender is this. You know, we've watched enough episode of Cops that we realize that when he points his gun and tells me to surrender, then I throw my hands up and that's my form of surrender. And, and we kind of carry that mentality over with God that God's just up there waiting to point his gun at us and I got to surrender real quick because the big bad God's coming. No, it's just the opposite of that. When I actually surrender to his plan and purpose, I actually gain. I don't lose. I'm not going to jail, thank God. I'm actually moving on into victory. Really important. Here's the last one that we've been talking about over the month of January. It's count the cost. Again, I know this has been my personal testimony. But man, have you ever had family members or close friends that did not understand your relationship with God? What are you going to church for? Oh, don't even tell me you're giving. Well, I, I don't understand this whole Christianity thing. And the reality of what uh, Jesus was saying is, look, man, there are times where my relationship with you is going to cost you things that your flesh doesn't want to give up. It's going to require more of you. And you better understand there's going to be a sacrifice at some point in time that I'm going to have to make to choose him over something or someone else. It's just part of the reality. But these are ways, it's not all inclusive, but it's the ones that we felt like we really should talk about. These are ways for Jesus to increase and us to decrease. Amen? So now, Here's what I want to talk about today. I, again, I had this whole Super Bowl message planned out in my mind. I, I even, it's, it was going to be from dream to destiny. And man, I was going to, you know, I don't even own another jersey besides the Dolphins one. So I was like, man, am I going to wear a jersey? And that'll be kind of weird because the Dolphins haven't been in the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl for like 40 years. So, but man, every time I prayed, God was like, no, I want you to talk about this. One thing that I feel like Jesus has been just hammering me about is that he wants to be a part of every aspect of our life. Now, can I tell you this? Either consciously or subconsciously, I believe that sometimes we try to categorize him where we think he fits best. Maybe he fits best while we're driving to work or coming home from work. Maybe he fits best just right before I'm about to eat a meal. Maybe he fits best right as I'm about to pass out at night and I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you for the... But whether consciously or subconsciously, I believe there are times where we try to let Jesus fit into some part of our lives and then we want to keep him out of other parts of our lives because we don't like how he fits there. Normally because it requires something of us. Again, we will always choose our flesh if it's left up to our selfish nature. So you have to understand 
Jesus wants to be a part of your professional life, your personal life, your married life, your, your, your vocational life, your educational life, your sex life, your, your jack around on the beach life, your laying on the couch life. He wants to be a part of all of it, whether we think it's a convenient fit or not. Whether we like the fit or not. He doesn't want to be a part-time fit in your life. You guys understand that? And man, I'm telling you, it was about the last quarter of last year, I just felt like he kept saying that over and over. I want to be a part of all of it, not just a Sunday morning experience. I want a seven-day, 24-hour, I want to be a part of your entire life. And can I tell you, sometimes that's not as convenient as we'd like it to be because it requires something of us. Amen? So, again, I, I totally, I had the Super Bowl message plan, and all I could hear was him saying, I must increase, and you must decrease. I'm going to, I'm going to have uh, some intermittent messages like today throughout the entirety of this year. Because what I want to talk to you about today is about Jesus increasing in us decreasing as it pertains to this being an election year. As it pertains to politics. And listen, I've been praying over this message all week because I know when you start talking about things that people get a little bit antsy and people kind of move around in their seat and like, oh, I don't know, Pastor, there's supposed to be a separation of church and state. Well, the problem is that there's been a separation of church and state and there's not been enough church involved in our state. I believe this with all of my heart that the local church is the hope of the world. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus established the church and died to see that the church would grow. And the reality is that 2020 is a really important election year, correct? And and again, man, I've been praying all week, Father can I just have a fun Super Bowl message? I mean, that's what I really want to have. I just, let, me, let me talk about Super Bowl. I'll talk about dreams and destiny and all that stuff. But can I tell you, I think part of the problem of where we've kind of got to in our society is because the church has been a little afraid to talk about things that Jesus wants to be right in the middle of. And because of that, we choose to kind of defer because... Listen, I don't want to make waves. And I, I don't want to rock the boat. And have you ever heard the expression, I don't want to rub the cat the wrong direction? How many of you have a cat? All right, do me a favor. When you get home today, you know how, how you would naturally rub the way their fur goes? Do it the other way and see your cat's response. And then let me know how that works out for you. Wear a long sleeve shirt, by the way. Do you realize that Jesus wants to increase even in the areas that we're not as comfortable with? Jesus wants to be right in the middle of the way we think politically, the way we vote politically. He wants to be in the middle of all of it. Amen? 
not just what we like his fits in. But can I, can I make this statement? And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If, if Jesus is good enough for my family and for my marriage and for my personal life and for my blessing and for my health, why isn't he good enough then for my political conversation? He sure should be. But again, sometimes we try to fragment based off of what we're comfortable with. Amen? I've been praying all week just that people won't get offended because sometimes when you talk about these kind of things, they want to they get offended with you. When the reality is, I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this during praise and worship. Man, we, we've got people represented here from Puerto Rico. We've got people represented here from Brazil, from Africa. I love the diversity of our church. I love it. And you know what? The politics of our nation has so much to do with everywhere. Whether we are in country or out. And again, when it's left up to us, there are times where we'll choose what's the easiest and most convenient based off of what feels good to us. And we want that to revolve around the epicenter of us. But can I tell you, there's a global picture here that God's concerned about. Not just in Apollo Beach or my little world that my bubble exists around. Are you with me? Turn with me, if you would, to Romans 13. And we're going to start in verse 1. If there's one question I get asked over and over, especially if it's an election year, 2016, 2020, is this, who should I vote for? Who should I vote for? Who should I vote for? Can I tell you, there's way more important questions to be answered first before we even get to answering that question. And that's what I'm saying. So bear with me. I mean, I've, I've got like 10 more minutes right now. Bear with me. I'm not going to cover everything all at once, which is why I'm going to drop these in intermittently. It is important for us to know, man, Jesus wants to be right in the middle of our political conversation. He wants to be right in the middle of it, whether you're comfortable with it or not. And I want to encourage every young person that's in here, this has so much more to do with you than you realize. So don't check out like this is an adult conversation. It's not. Decisions that are being made this year will have a reverb effect on all of us. Can we agree? It's going to end up having a reverb effect on my grandchildren. Romans 13, starting in verse 1, says this. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God. And the authorities that, are, that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Now, can I give you just some quick, quick backdrop? This is a letter written to the Roman church of which, by the way, was the ones that came in and are now the governing overlords and the captors of the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. And you've got Paul, who is a Jew by birth and a Roman citizen, and he's writing to the church in Rome. Keep in mind, the Jews thought that Jesus' ascension meant he was going to sit himself down on the throne 
and overthrow the Roman government because they were the ones that came in and, and took control and invaded and took over. Can I ask you this? Could Jesus have done that if he wanted to? Do you think so? Why didn't he? Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And so you, I, I wish we understood this to its fullest, but you've got Paul writing to the church comprised mostly of Jews that were living in Rome to say, listen, you need to honor your governing authorities. Oh, Paul, you must be out of your mind. You must be off your rocker. These are the ones that invaded us and took us captive, and now we're under their control, and you're telling me I need to submit to them? Paul, you've lost it. And he's saying, look, he's saying, be really careful because those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Now, here's what caught my attention. Let every soul be subject. If you look that word up in the Greek, this is actually where we get our English word for psyche. And it, and it actually has a dual meaning. It, it's got like five meanings. But, but one means just the totality of a person, a soul, a human being. But the other one means this, and, and I'll read it verbatim. The soul as the seal of affection and will. Again, it's where we get our English word for psyche. So he's saying this. You know, it's possible for you to surrender and submit your mind, will, and emotions, but it's a choice. And this is exactly what Paul was saying. Let every mind, will, and emotion be subject to the governing authorities because there's no authority that exists except from God, and they're appointed by God. Have there been times just in your lifetime where we've had some presidents that they do something and you're just like shaking your head like there's no way that God has anything to do with this. Can I tell you? I felt that way about President Trump numerous times. But can I also tell you, I felt that way about decisions President Obama made. And I felt that way about decisions President Bush made. And I felt that about a lot of presidents. Do we, do we all agree they're never going to get it all right? the same way you don't get it all right. And they're going to do things that none of us agree with fully. Can we agree with that as well? But here's, the, here's something interesting. If uh, I hope and pray at some point, do yourself a favor and buy yourself a spirit-filled life Bible that's a study edition. It's a fantastic Bible. It gives you a lot more depth and insight. It's a spirit-filled life Bible study edition. I wrote down what it says here at the bottom as an explanation for Romans 13, 1 and 2. And here's what it says in this direct quote. Paul is not suggesting that God approves of corrupt government, unjust officials, or unjust legislation. But God will allow governing authority to take power in response to a sin of a people or a nation or for other reasons only known to him, God grants authority to serve good intentions and his desired end. Can we agree that we don't see the end like God sees the end? But here's our reality. Because again, our selfish nature is just simply that selfish. We think the world revolves around us. 
Put a smile on your face. Even better yet, we feel like because we're here in the U.S. of A. that the world revolves around the U.S.A. And, and there's where I was thinking this morning, man, we've got such nationalities represented just in this room. Man, God has a global picture that's way beyond the U.S. Amen? And he puts people in authority that will help reach his desired end. Jesus could have overthrown Rome, but he didn't because they were there for a purpose. And he recognized it and backed off. The same way he was there for a different purpose that wasn't overthrowing a government, but establishing a spiritual one. Are you hearing me? Listen, God is sovereign. But can I make this statement? So much of the time, we don't want to discuss politics because, again, we don't want to make waves and we don't, we don't want to create arguments and all that stuff. Can I tell you this? There should never be a political discussion that God's not in the middle of. Because if we genuinely believe that, listen, God is the supreme authority, and biblically, can, can I also tell you this? He was the one that established government to begin with. And then he said in Isaiah, my son's going to show up, and the government's going to rest upon his shoulders. Come on, are you with me? Here's reality. We should never have a discussion about politics where God's not in the middle of it. Jesus has got to increase, and our opinions have got to decrease. Listen, I, I can respect CNN. I can respect Fox News. But we should never value the opinions of other higher than the opinions of our Heavenly Father. And if you begin to look to those news outlets as your main source of information, and we all know they don't put anything on the internet that isn't true. <laughs> but if those are the areas that we're looking to as our source of information, then we've completely left God out of the equation. And can I, even, can I even be a little bit more stern about that? If you're watching CNN more than you're reading your word, it's out of balance anyway. Guys, this is so important. And again, I'll, I'll be dropping some, some information all along this process. But here's one of the biggest takeaways that I needed to establish on this first kind of point of contact and message here. Man, God is sovereign. And he's in control of the whole thing. He was the establisher of government. He continues to be the ruler of government. And there are only people that are given that authority because God allows it. And it's for his purposes and means that are sometimes beyond us. Amen? Amen? Now, here's what I don't want you to take away with. Well, if God's in control, then I should just sit on the couch and let him do what he does. No. You have a voice, and we should be using our voice, because every time you sit back and do nothing, someone with an ungodly agenda is sure pushing theirs. And some of our mess is self-induced because we decided to sit back and not make waves and not have a voice. I'm telling you now more than ever the church should have a voice politically. 
not based off of the opinion of a pastor, but based off of the solid foundational word of God that hasn't changed from Genesis till now. Man, God is sovereign. But he holds the whole thing in his hands. And there are times where, again, like in 2016, I tried to stay up. I really did, but it was getting late. and My, my eyes were closing. And I was like, well, this is a foregone conclusion on who's going to win. And I wake up the next morning, and it's somebody else than I thought it was. And you trust. Father, you are in sovereign control. But can I tell you this? Me and my whole family voted as well. And every one of us should be voting as well. Based off of the solid principles of the Word of God. Amen? Let me just share this with you real quick. Psalms 103, verse 19. The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all of it. Romans eleven thirty six. For of Him and through Him and to Him all things are all things. To whom be glory forever and ever. Through him, because of him, in him are all things. God's the originator of it. He's the sovereign authority over all of it. And whether it has to do with culture or social order or policy and procedure, whatever else, we should never have a discussion about politics that God's not right in the middle of the whole thing. I want to encourage you. Now more than ever, don't keep quiet. Don't just kind of step back around the water cooler because you don't want to create argument. I believe with, without a moment's hesitation in my heart, we're in a lot of the positions we're in socially because the church has decided to step back and not say anything. And the reality is, I don't care if you like it or not, but I refuse to keep quiet. And I refuse to not have moments just like this where we're bringing the truth of the Word of God into everyday situations of life. He's got to increase and we've got to decrease and it can't be just in the areas that we think Jesus fits conveniently. Amen? Do me this favor if you would. Just bow your heads for a moment. Father, I've been praying all week over this. Father, to the best of my ability, I've tried to be obedient to what I felt like you told me to do. You know my flesh wanted to go a totally different direction today. But I trust you knew what was better than I did. So, Father, I ask that you open up our hearts. Open the eyes of our understanding. You want to be right in the middle of this too. And I pray for any of us that have been closed off to having a conversation politically with you. Again, I pray that you would open our hearts. Open our hearts, Father, to talk to you to hear what you have to say, 
Father, I pray in Jesus' name that if there's one person here that has never opened their heart in this way, I pray that you would, Father, help them to feel safe to open their heart in this way. If you're sitting here this morning and Jesus hasn't been the supreme sovereign ruler in your life, then today is the best day possible for you to make a decision for Jesus. I can't stress this enough. He doesn't want to just be your savior. He wants to be your sovereign ruler. He, he, wants, he wants to be that loving Savior. But he needs to be more than that in your life or he becomes a footnote. He really has to become boss. And I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you, maybe you said a prayer at some point. But listen, unless you give him control and unless you hand him over the wheel, so to speak. And, and unless you make him that, that sovereign ruler in your life, then you've really never surrendered to him. Man, today is your day. Today is a God-appointed moment for you where you get the choice to make a decision that says, I'm all in. I'm all in with Jesus. It's not just a prayer, it's a commitment of life. 